Joe Budden is one of the most polarizing figures in hip-hop media today. To some, he's an out-of-touch old head who disparages younger up-and-coming artists and trends. To others, he's a vital truth-teller who exposes the music industry's exploitation of artists. But before he became a staple on social media memes, a reoccurring love and hip-hop cast member, and one of the most prominent podcasters in America, Budden was widely regarded amongst heads who kept their ear to the streets as one of the best lyricists on the mic. While Joe continues to give to the culture yearly now with viral moments of his high takes, let's take a look back at his catalog of eight official studio albums to show you why so many fans are still clamoring for Jump Off to get back in the booth. Number eight, No Love Lost. Ten years after his major label debut, Button re-emerged into the mainstream with a major label-backed release from E1 Music in partnership with his Mood Music imprint. Over the course of that decade, Button reinvented his public image by being heavily visible in digital media and fostering a loyal fan base through consistent underground releases. No longer known as a one hit wonder, the guy who made Pumpin' Up in the early 2000s, Button was now known for his very public relationship with video vixen Tahiri, beef with other East Coast rappers like Raekwon, Saigon, and Prodigy, a maestro on mixtapes, and as an early adopter of social media, making him one of the first rappers to use the platforms to amplify his voice on his own terms. However, 2013's No Love Lost sees Joe stray away from the artistic talents that earned him a loyal fan base in the streets and on the blogs after he was shelved from Dev Jam due to differences in artistic direction. Instead of delivering more of what made people feel his heart and soul, he opts to target the clubs and the ladies over trap beats that sound like Drake, Future, and T.I. turned down. The fundamental flaw of this album is that it's hard to believe Joe when he tries to serenade the ladies with sweet nothings or come across as a remorseful man for his misdeeds when on all of his previous works there was more nuance when tackling these themes and he went into great detail on a dysfunction in all of his relationships and his life in general. This big budget album is bloated with features from Lil Wayne, French Montana, Wiz Khalifa, Omarion, and many more. While the guest verse from Lloyd Banks on Last Day is fire, that can't save the song, and that pretty much applies to everything else on here. Now don't get us wrong, there are some songs worth checking out, like the Sean C and LV produced Ghetto Burbs, featuring longtime R&B collaborator Imani, the track Runaway, where Button provides insight on the pain of addiction in a way only an addict could tell, and My Time and No Love Lost outro, where the rationally reflective and relatable button beloved by fans rears his head over beats from Dark Knight and A-Bars and Cardiac respectively. Joe's sixth studio LP has sold around 90,000 copies and was Button's first to reach the number one spot on the US hip hop and R&B chart. Number seven, Rage in the Machine. On the song Unnecessary Pain from his 2015 album All Love Lost, Joe rapped the pain of bearing my soul is wearing its toll. Those sentiments rang true a year later on his farewell album Rage in the Machine. Button's eighth and final LP, which was released on his own label, Moon Music Entertainment, in conjunction with Empire Distribution, is lackluster. A certain type of weary malaise is in the air on this record, and that overall tone is divergent from the unapologetic urgency and energetic evocation that define his better releases. The only album in his catalog entirely produced by one beatmaker, A-Rab Music, provides the entire soundscape for Joe's bars here. Though A-Rab is known for bombastic high-energy beats, on this album, the instrumentals are down-tempo and subdued, thus not giving Joe the sound needed to channel the inner rage and reflection which sparks the flame that brings out the best of Button. On this LP, Joe accepts his role as OG in the game on the reflective track Uncle Joe and the criminally short yet memorable song Forget. I Wanna Know has Joe interpolating classic Jay-Z bars from It's A Hard Not Life to flex lyrically for his listeners with the plum and Idol sees him make peace with former rap foes and his estranged son with grace and sincerity. To use a phrase that might fly Joe into rage, he sounds uninspired and 
been worn down during the 41 minutes of runtime. Tracks like Wrong One, Time for Work featuring Imani, and the Joel Ortiz assisted series like Total Direction, where Joe switches between tough talk and rhyming just for rhyming's sake. The aforementioned songs we lauded on this record are worth checking out, but there aren't enough of those here to save this album from being a less than stellar goodbye record from such a high caliber MC. Number six, Joe Button. An artist's first album is their make or break moment where they harness all their previous life experiences to make the best first impression on the world. In hip hop, the best of those type of albums are when the rappers poetically express the raw realities of the hardships they witnessed. The worst of those is when artists use that opportunity to try to cater to the largest demographic possible to make the most of that opportunity and water down their expression. Joe Button, the self-titled debut album, is somewhat in between these two extremes. Born in East Harlem in the 80s and then transplanted to Jersey City, Joe was named after a father who was absent most of his life, which troubled him greatly. That abandonment he felt, plus the tumultuous relationship he had with his old earth, caused him to become such a delinquent youth that he was sent to a boarding school in North Carolina in his teens. There, he picked up the pen and began crafting his first bars, but also a drug habit, turning to PCP to ease the pain. When he finally returned to Jersey, he came back to contentious fights with Mom Dukes and ended up a 20-year-old man with a baby on the way. Determined not to become another statistic, he put all his energy into hip-hop and teamed up with producer White Boy to make mixtapes and demos. Eventually, one of those demos landed in Desert Storm's DJ Clue's lap, and he became a regular feature on Clue's tapes. Building a buzz from that resulted in a deal with Dev Jam and the rest is history. With all that background, Joe Budden has a lot to pull from for the subject matter on this album. He does tap into provocative topics on this record, and he brings his day one white boy with him to provide the bulk of the instrumentals here to good effect. Songs where you feel Budden the most on here are the pensively paranoid Walk With Me, where Joe questions who to trust in his circle, Push A Man, where Joe speaks about the dope game the way only a real hustler could, and Stand Up In, where Budden drops 32 straight bars about being solid as the beat builds. The absolute best tracks are Calm Down, where he confronts the tumultuous relationship he had with his mother with the same degree of introspection as Eminem did on Cleaning Out My Closet, and 10 Minutes, on which he mulls over his life's tribulations over live instrumentation with clever wordplay. These records contain the elements that comprise an excellent debut, edging this album towards the best type of introduction end of the spectrum. It's the tracks like the horrendous ballad Ma 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 featuring 112, the meandering You Ain't Gotta Go Home that doesn't know whether it wants to be a club or a street record, and all of the Just Blaze produced songs on here that are just obvious examples of placating to the masses. Of course, this is the album that contains Focus, Button's first single that spent weeks on the Billboard singles charts, peaking at number 43, and his biggest single, Pump It Up, a raucous, brass-heavy joint meant to bang in the club that became a larger-than-life staple on hip-hop radio in the early 2000s. The song peaked at number 38 on Billboard Hot 100, charted internationally, and has since become regularly played at sporting events like Usher's Yeah! or DMX's Party Up. It seems like the success of that single influenced Button and the executives at Def Jam to continue down that up-tempo, party-friendly feel because many of the songs on here fall into that vein. This album released in an era when East Coast rappers had to be super lyrical and also drop hits for the radio, so some understanding should be had. However, over time, that particular sound that permeates much of this record has faded out of favor, so listening to Button's debut is an exercise in grasping a time capsule while enjoying great lyricism and introspection. The album went on to sell a little under 500,000 copies, making it Joe's highest selling album. Number five, Halfway House. 
The third album from Jump Off Joe Budden, pause, shows him delivering the raw, emotion-driven bars over sample-heavy production that fans love him for and that he excels at. The 08 release is a step above the albums listed before it because it's more concentrated and exhibits the qualities that separate Joe from the pack. The first three tracks, On My Grind, Check Me Out, both produced by Misfit Sounds, as well as Overkill featuring rapper Heartbreak, are hard-hitting braggadocio rap tracks that are meant to feed the streets and have bars that'll have you pressing the rewind button. Rodney Hazard provides an evocative beat that mixes samples and live instrumentation for the self-deprecating track sidetracked. And just to be different, has Joe dissecting the absurdity of how the industry pushes rappers to fake it till they make it. The standout track though is the Evo produced under the sun. Joe is at his finest here as he lays out the drama he had fighting for custody rights to see his son. And of course, this is the album that introduced the world to the supergroup Slaughterhouse, comprised of Joel, Crooked Eye, Royce the Five Nine, and of course, Joe. The track Slaughterhouse is a posse cut that will definitely have you making the stink face while head nodding hard and spinning it back more than once. Personally, we think Royce got the best verse on the first Slaughterhouse song, but you let us know what you think in the comments. The fault of Halfway House is that sonically, the quality of the mix and master gives it a rough sound. It's not as clean as it should be, giving the feel of a mixtape rather than a full studio album. Plus, the single Touch and Go is another attempt at a large club hit, which just comes across as a copy and paste job of Busta Rhymes' Touch It. It doesn't fit in the track list and throws the whole vibe off. Regardless, Halfway House barely charted on Billboard 200, reaching number 184, and at the time only accumulated 3,000 downloads. Maybe that's because this album was released really to be a placeholder until the next one on our list dropped. Number four, Padded Room. Sometimes confronting our demons and taking a hard look in the mirror can bring the best out of us despite how difficult that may be. The fourth best album from Joe Budden is also his fourth official release, and he does that in excess here. On Padded Room, Joe leans more to the idea that he is a crazy person who is actually a misunderstood genius and eccentric savant. On this 2009 LP, Button doesn't use his way with words to wow us with punchlines and witty entendres, but instead chooses to emphasize his evocative lyricism and storytelling ability. Thankfully, on this project, Joe doesn't try to churn out a club record either. Songs that make this LP work are The Banger Don't Make Me, where Joe spits, I rap about hardships like I discovered it. Slick disses on Blood on the Wall, where over an exorcist sample, Joe calls Mob Deep's prodigy a washed up rapper turned gangster blogger and the surreal storytelling on In My Sleep where the classic provide an ethereal track for Joe to glide over. However, the most interesting moments on this album are Joe's songs about relationships like The Grooving Exes where the descriptions of coitus are graphic and scandalous. The two standout tracks are Firstly I Couldn't Help It where Joe lashes out and confirms that he was an abuser while in a relationship with video vixen Esther Baxter which resulted in a miscarriage of their unborn child and the closing track Pray For Me where Joe and God have a heated one-on-one about all of Joe's misconduct like that unintentional loss of life. There are some skips present like the Game Assisted Future where you have two lyrical rappers who formerly had beef making a song. We don't need a half-baked track about tricking on women. That's a missed opportunity. Plus the song Happy Holidays is Joe Budden rapping about Christmas, Halloween, and birthdays. We'll pass. Padded Room has some duds, but the ones that do ring off make an impact. The album peaked at number 42 on the Billboard 200 despite its heavy promotion and went double copper. That's a shame though because when it dropped, critics loved it for the most part and there's actually some of Joe's most emotionally charged and revealing material on here. Now before we get into the top three albums on this list, we want to pose this question to the audience. What constitutes a rapper being a failure? On episode 664 of the Joe Button Podcast, Joey and crew reviewed Drake's eighth studio album for all the dogs. Joe, one to never bite his tongue, essentially said he's unimpressed by Drake's musical output because it sounds like he's uninspired 
inspired and not showing maturity in the subject matter. Champagne Poppy put those Twitter fingers to work and typed a scathing response on Instagram, which can be summed up as a rebuke of Joe as a bitter failure. Well, what constitutes a successful rapper? If that is contingent upon selling millions of records, sold out stadium tours, multiple number one singles, and face recognition across the globe, then sure, Button is a failure as a rapper. But that means so is Jada Kiss, Twister, Scarface, DJ Quick, and anyone not named Drake, Snoop, Kanye, or 50. We'd argue that there are millions of rappers who haven't achieved one-tenth of the accolades that Button has. You can also argue musically he's maxed out on his first album as that houses his biggest record. So who knows? Comment down below. Would you count Joe Button's rap career as a failure? Number three, Mood Music 3. The third installment of Joe Button's renowned Mood Music mixtape series is arguably not only the best in his catalog, but one of the best rap albums of 2008. While it is technically a retail version of a mixtape released the year prior, it is officially the second commercially available album from him that was released on Amalgam Digital after Button's departure from Def Jam after they shelved his follow-up, The Growth. Joe, or Mouse as he refers to himself occasionally on his tapes, is an introspective and witty wordsmith all through this record. There is hardly a song on this offering worth skipping from the introduction track, Dear Diary, where Joe recounts a fallout with a close friend over hard-knocking sulfur production to the triumphant high-tempo posse cut family reunion where Ransom, Fab, and Joe all dumb out with the bars. If you're looking for why other respected lyricists like Royce the 5'9 or Crooked Eye perceived Button as one of their lyrical peers, listen to the Joel Ortiz-assisted warfare, the intense track hiatus, or the fiery song Rollout. Joe not only flexes his lyrical ability, but shows true emotional range on Send Him Our Love, a dedication to a deceased friend, and vents his frustrations on All of Me. Plus, his masterful storytelling skills are on full display on Secrets. The album sold 1,100 copies upon its release and peaked at number 88 on the US top hip-hop and R&B charts. I guess it's fair to say re-releasing something for sale when the public could already get it off that piff is bad business. While songs like Unforgiving and Star Inside of Me are possible skips on a second listen through, this LP showcases the strengths that made Mouse a legend in the underground rather than a one-hit wonder to the culture. Joe, if you happen to be watching, can you shoot us the full version of All of Me? We need to hit a rest in bars, man, seriously. Please and thank you. Number two, Escape Route. On the cover of The Padded Room, the album that preceded Joe's fifth album, Escape Route, we see him muzzled and tied down while in a straight jacket in what appears to be an insane asylum. On the cover of Escape Route, we see the mask, the restraints, and the psych medications on the floor, and blood splattered all over the walls. If this cover were an indication of anything, it's that on this album, Joe's released from his former constraints and is out in the world ready to wreak havoc. His fourth and final album with Amalgam Digital is an unrepentant masterwork by Button, an artist who is sure of who he is and channels the darkest thoughts from his mind and experiences to create music that enthralls and challenges the listener. We in hip-hop often complain that rappers bring the heat on their mixtapes but change their style once it's time to drop an album. The Moon Music series solidified Joe as a provocative lyricist able to put together dope bodies of work, but the albums up until that point were less than stellar. This album is Joe at his most focused and unbridled. On this 2009 release, Joe doesn't hold any punches and lets you know that out the gate on intro with the bar. If you couldn't tell I'm on my own time, on my own mind, problem is I don't mind. This addition to his catalog effortlessly goes from strength to strength and brings out the lyricism and booming production that Button utilized on his mixtapes. Bangers like Anti and World Keep Spinning will have your head nodding and grimacing at the same damn time. Never Again, Good Enough, and Forgive Me all utilize ringing electronic guitars, pitched up vocal samples, and knocking drums as Joe raps from the depth of his heart. We can only imagine that if he had had the Slaughterhouse track, We Outta Here, with its horrendous instrumentation,
instrumental, off-putting auto-tune hook, and needless lyrical miracle bars left on the cutting room floor, Joe might have had the best joint in his catalog on his hands here. However, 12 tracks of heat out of 13 is a pretty damn good average. And if you're looking for beats and bars by an MC not scared to say how it is, you'll rock with this album heavy. Number one, All Love Lost. If you listen to Button's catalog from debut to retirement, you'll notice a pattern begin to emerge. Joe will release an album that, on paper, should get him mainstream notoriety. Glossy, big budget beats from super producers, guest appearances from major artists, and songs made to appeal to the club and ladies. However, the shoes of rap superstars with crossover appeal are ones that Button struggles to feel because those aforementioned things that would work for any other artist only hinder him due to his subject matter and style of rapping. After his self-titled debut flop commercially and somewhat critical, he drops damn near a masterpiece of a mixtape disguised as an album. After his mediocre padded room, he dropped an album escape route with hardly any skippable songs. And after the mid that was No Love Lost, Button returned with a vengeance on the 2015 release All Love Lost. The seventh album in Joe's discography is probably his most digestible piece with 13 songs focused entirely on the themes of heartbreak, the ups and downs of his rap career, self-reflection, and the struggle against his inner demons. On here, Joey does everything he does best at its epitome, the Perspective lyrics that reveal a man with multiple faults whom you can't help but feel sympathetic towards over lively, lush, full production. On the intro, produced by Eight Bars and Parks, Button raps his truth, drawing you into his world as orchestral strings and riffing electric guitars play in the background. On Broke, singer-songwriter Caitlin Tarver sings a haunting hook while Joe confronts the dysfunction he brings to romance. Eight Bars and Parks bring more heat with the beat on the cinematic Playing Our Part, where Joe addresses one of his exes candidly and on Unnecessary Pain, featuring singers Yummy Bingham and Felicia Temple, where the same theme is revisited, but with more compassion. Jada Kiss, the sole rap feature here, appears on Make It Through the Night, where he and Joe share lucid bars about the struggles of making ends meet in the streets as Marsha Ambrosius belts out a powerful chorus. The most revealing song, however, is Slaughter Mouse, produced by A-Rap Music, who provides a ghostly beat where Joe exposes his insecurities about being in the group Slaughterhouse due to him feeling like the odd man out in the clique because he felt he wasn't lyrical enough to hang with them. Many of the tracks here are well over four minutes long, not only due to Joe's tendency to spit verses longer than 16 bars, but also because there are many times where the beats break down, drop, breathe, the singers croon vocal runs, and live instruments do solos. It's a symphonic experience much more so than his other works. This one is a strong contender for those wanting an introduction to the world of Mouse because of the polish on the mix quality, the modernity of the production, and the help of crooners like Eric Bellinger on Where Do We Go? for great melodic hooks. Overall, this is a collection of tasteful music from a rapper who weathered many personal and professional storms, only brought down by the fact we had to get a dud, no love lost, before getting this gym. Nowadays, it seems like every former top-tier MC has a podcast or some other form of media outside of rap. One of those was T.I., who had his podcast expeditiously. Fat Joe has also dibbled and dabbled in the media game, too. We've got rankings on both of them. Check them out right here, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a list. It's your man, CJ Williams. I'm out.